a Superman action figure in a toy coffin, a blue shirt and red jacket, a first flight in the sun above the Arctic tundra. These are some of the moments that define my Superman fandom. Together on this podcast, we journey across time and media to examine, discover, and reconsider the creative visions that have shaped the Man of Steel. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the morality and ethical duty of Superman is fellow podcaster and first-time guest, Rich Wagner. Welcome, sir. Hello. Thanks for having me on, buddy. My pleasure. I'm happy to return the favor. Uh, you had me on your podcast, the Heroes Home Base podcast, uh, about a year ago uh, to talk about my documentary film, My Comic Shop Country. And that was how we first connected. And I really appreciated being on the show. Uh, so thank you for having me on. And I'm happy to have you on here. And uh, I think this would be a great opportunity if you want to tell folks a little bit about uh, your podcast, the kind of stuff that you talk about, where they can get it. Uh, I'm sure they would appreciate that. Sweet. I appreciate it. So we've been doing it probably about two years now. Um, it's my twin brother, Rob, and my good buddy that I've known forever, probably 20 plus years now, Mark. Mark is based uh, closer to you in New York, and Rob and I are located in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, Mark moved away after college to New York, uh, is up there, and we kind of lost track of each other, but we decided to reconnect. He approached me about doing a podcast because there was one weekend out of the year that we would always try to get together, and that was New York Comic Con. So we would fly out there and uh, stay with him for the weekend, and he approached me about it probably about three years ago until we could finally get it up and running. And it's literally just us because it was just the three of us in my parents' basement, reading comics, you know, being nerds and geeks and thought it was just cool to reconnect. Whether anybody listens to it, we don't care. We just like to get together and talk about what we love, man. So, it, it, you know, um, and I, I came across your documentary and loved it because I related to it because Mark actually worked at a comic shop, kind of like uh, alternate reality is where it was just stuff thrown in a corner, basically. <laughs> And uh, we we like fell in love with your movie like right away, and I and I had to reach out and, and tell you and connect to you, and it was I I I don't even know how many times I watched it, dude. It's like I'll even have it in uh you know on in the background. So job well done. I like to I like to point that out, and uh, you you deserve the uh, praise for that. So I do appreciate you having me on, man. I'm 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 excited to talk about the the character that we both love so much. Right on. Uh, so, well, so kind of on that note. You know, typically when I have a, a first-time guest on, I do like to ask them a little bit about their Superman fan journey. So what was your entry point yep. to Superman? Rob and I like to joke about this, but uh, probably like going through a Kmart or something and uh, uh, Superman and Batman underwear probably was like the first time. I, I don't even know how old we were, man. But like it was just the, uh, the colorful... Uh, uh, costumes and i remember going to the library as probably as young as god uh six or seven and get comic books and i always went towards superman my brother always went towards batman and uh we you know off and on collected for a while we found a couple comic stores and just did the you know once every couple you know every six months go in there and get something new you know had no idea what collecting comics was and then I think I relate to you in this as well. It was really the death of Superman that I was like, seriously, they're going to kill this guy off. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, I, I can't even remember what grade I was in when that came out, probably second or third grade. Um, and then uh, always a big Christopher Reeves um, fan. My uh, We never had cable television growing up, so I probably wore out those VH tapes from my uncle that recorded it off HBO. And like, it's a shame to say it. my favorite was Superman 4. I think I rewatched that one enough, but obviously the first one now is my my all time favorite. But dude, and uh, while while we're on this subject, like I, I listen to your podcast all the time, and I have to say that I loved your uh, Adventures of Superman TV discussion because I have completely brainwashed my kids, and they have watched all those DVDs. Like that used to be like we're getting in the car for vacation, we got the DVD player, and I would put it in, and we would they would just watch it. It's mesmerizing. <laughs> You know, it's awesome to hear all of that. And, you know, I'm wearing my George Reeves uh, Superman symbol yeah. shirt right now. And honestly, that over the course of the first year of this podcast, I, I can't single out a single favorite episode or anything like that. But w truly one of the great joys was discovering how amazing that show is. Yes. Uh, I had yes. such an absolute blast. It's something that I know I'll come back to on the podcast again. I actually have an Adventures of Superman related episode that might come before the end of the year or early next year. Uh, and certainly just revisiting the series generally, it's something that's sort of always always on my list because I, I just, I loved it so much. And it was one of those things where it's like, man, I wish it didn't take me so long to appreciate it, but it's like, I'm glad I, I, I came to it now, you know, while I have this podcast and I could talk about it and, and hopefully kind of, I don't know, maybe shine a little bit of a light on it for others who, you know, maybe never really yeah. got into it or they they kind of discounted it. And and if the podcast made one person go back and take another look at those episodes, I, I'd be real proud. <laughs> yeah, dude, you should be. I like it's funny because I mentioned like it was always like the bright colors and the flashy costume, but I love what is it, one and two or the ones in black and white. And then it's like that those two seasons in like the Twilight Zone are some of my favorite all time black and white shows and it just i think the black and white really makes your mind you know you're more creative that way trying to envision and it's just awesome and it, it, it was a great show for sure totally with you uh well it's funny you didn't need all the special effects and all the you know the you didn't need all the special effects and stuff like that it was it was totally enjoyable i love it still to this day yeah, uh, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. And well, it's funny that you mentioned loving uh, Superman for the quest for peace growing up, because that's something that we'll be talking about today. So this is kind of a of a no, they're you're wearing your nuclear man shirt. Good man. <laughs> Thought you like that. You know, the way you were positioned, obviously, I didn't see it until you just stood up right now. But oh, that's awesome. So, <laughs> you know, this is, I don't know, kind of a of a, a little bit of a headier, like higher concept episode where, you know, I, I just kind of had this kicking around for a while and I wanted to do an episode about, you know, the morality and the ethical duty of Superman. It's been a long time since my my uh, philosophy classes in college, so I might be jumbling up <laughs> okay. some of this. But, you know, when I talk about morality, I, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, really that code that Superman lives by, the choices he makes, the way he conducts himself, himself um, the, you know, what it's inspired in us as fans um, and also some aspects of the character, some choices the character has made that might be a little difficult to reconcile with the overall morality of the character. And we'll get into that. So that's one piece. Right. And then when I refer to ethical duty, I'm kind of talking about, you know, what should a Superman do? If you have all of this power, how far could or should you take it? And 
what are the you know the implications and what are some of the specific stories that have dealt with that in superman 4 the quest for peace where he rids the world of nuclear weapons like it's a perfect example of that and i have to say i'm glad that we can talk about superman 4 in in this context because yeah. uh, right as i was like gearing up for this podcast i was like just thinking superman all the time and i just randomly on hbo max i put on superman 4 and i watched it it's not great <laughs> it's really not and it's one of those things where, you know, on this podcast, I'm I'm perfectly comfortable and I'm more than happy to share, you know, my opinion, even if it's a negative one. If there's something that I watch or read and I don't like it, I'll I'll talk about right. it. And that's part of the process. But with Superman 4, I mean, it's generally accepted, I think, that it's not a great movie. And I don't like punching down, so I don't necessarily want to come on here and just like beat up on this movie. So I was like, but I got to talk about it in right. some context. So what can we do? And I think it fits in yeah. here perfectly because I think the idea behind it is really interesting. Now, before we get yes. into all of that, I want to toss it back to you because uh, you have a, a role to play in this episode as well, in the genesis of this episode, because yeah. I reached out to you like months ago, probably at this point, And I was like, you know, what are some of the aspects of the character that you would want to talk about on the show or favorite stories, like stuff like that. And you came right back to me with the idea of Superman as that moral compass. Yep. Right. And so I was curious, you know, if you could just kind of talk about that generally. And are there any specific instances where you've kind of found that the character of Superman and your Superman fandom has has kind of informed the way you conduct yourself? Like, is there anything specific that you can be like, yeah, like, I did or I didn't do this or I do or don't do this generally, like, because of Superman? I don't know if I have an example of that, but the way that I've always shaped him was my father was in the Air Force and uh, was retired and I want to say it was probably 92, and uh, I was real little obviously. And, um, I always, it, Superman, the tr truth, justice in the American way always stuck with me. So I always envisioned the American way with Superman as he's just a walking, talking, flying American flag to me. So those values, the foundation of our country, like I was always like, man, I really wish he was real. Cause like, he's like the ultimate patriotic figure. And uh, I always looked up to my dad. I still look up to my dad. He's like 71 at this point. And uh, I just, I guess I see Superman as my dad still as a little boy. And I always try to follow his example. And uh, I guess that's the best I can give you on that part. But his just, the way he's always trying to do the right thing. And it's just, I know that's a cliche answer, but when you really think about it, our day-to-day uh, everything that we're inundated with and uh, people we're around and how we're shaped and how we want to raise our kids. It's just, you want to ask yourself, you know, what would Jesus do? But what also would Superman do? <laughs> so he always tries to do the right thing. And I think that that's why, um, I guess I could say this real quick. I don't want to go on a tangent. I guess that's why I like the Snyder verse so much is because it's so real and raw and it puts a real life scenario in front of Superman. It's like, what would the world do if this guy actually existed? And he's always trying to do the right thing. And the moral compass for me is just be a good neighbor, be a good friend, be a good husband, be a good example, be a good manager or, you know, wherever you work or whatever you do and inspire people to be the best they can be. And I do, I try to do that on a daily basis and definitely through this pandemic, it's just, try to get the best out of people, but you got to be that example. 
and always lead by that example. So was that too long? <laughs> no, man, that was, that was perfect. And, you know, and it's personal and that's, I think the most important thing. And, you know, I've been thinking this, uh, thinking about this for a little while. I did uh, a buddy of mine, Ralph Puma. Uh, he, he, we had a conversation maybe about a year ago, actually, and it was a wide ranging chat. And you, he did kind of ask me about, I forget the exact question, but sort of along the lines of, you know, to, to the extent that religion kind of shaped my, I guess like my moral code and, and things like that. And, you know, I, I was raised Catholic, so I'm sure that you know, that played a role. But in, mm-hmm. the, in that chat, I was like, you know, I, I think probably too, like being a lifelong fan of Superman, I think had some effect. It was hard to really like nail down something so specific from my Superman fandom. But I yeah. think to your point, like this overall idea of of trying to do the right thing. And I think that's what that's what makes the character so interesting and nuts to anybody who says he's not interesting because a character oh, yeah. with that power could do anything with it, could abuse that power, and he chooses not to. He chooses to use it just to help people. And that, I think, is is so powerful. And so that idea of just helping, like you said, to be a neighbor, you know, I I, I like to think that I, <laughs> I live that to... I know, to, man. We all fall short, man. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's tough, but... I, I can kind of, there are maybe two or three like somewhat specific things that I would kind of call out. A couple of them are real, real tiny, but I do carry them with me, silly as they may seem. The first one is, and I know you're a fellow Smallville fan, yeah? Yes, sir. All right. So in the- I, I, I catch crap from Rob for watching it till the end. So yes, I am a fellow Smallville fan. <laughs> Listen, there was good stuff in those final seasons. Actually, that's what I'm going to go to here. <laughs> yes, there was. In the uh, season 10 premiere where Jonathan Kent, who, you know, had passed away seasons prior, you know, he returns as this ghostly image, this vision to Clark and uh, Clark goes out to the field and John, I know, you know, the scene, but just for our audience here, uh, you know, Jonathan's fixing the fence out in the field and Clark goes up to him. And the first thing Jonathan says is chores, Clark, work keeps a man honest. And literally today, (laughs) today, uh, before we recorded, as I was taking out the trash and the recycling and I was doing the dishwasher and I was doing the laundry. I thought to myself, I, and I wasn't in the best mood doing it. That's the thing. We do fall short. I won't lie. I can't say I had a huge smile on my face, but I checked myself and I was right. like, all right, do your chores. Like work keeps a man honest. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a specific instance. Like, and You're like, thanks Paul. Yeah. Thanks. Like I've really tried <laughs> to keep that in mind. And use that to kind of help me get through, yeah, maybe some of the more like mundane day-to-day tasks, like, you know, just like keep yourself busy, like do what you need to do. <laughs> uh, yep. So that's number one. Number two, and I know, because I heard this on your podcast, I don't know if your position has changed, but I know you're not a fan of the Superman and Lois TV show. You know, I've caught a lot of crap. I'll keep it, you know, clean from a lot of guests that have been on and a lot of my friends that are like dude don't give up on it i guess i i get i have not gone back to it but i have followed you and i I trust your opinion i will commit to going back and watching it because i've heard it's gotten really really good i guess i was just at a point i guess i'm still at a point where i'm kind of burnt out on the cw shows um but i will i will i promise to you in the audience that i will go back and i will watch it Right on. So, but in fairness, like I, and I talked about this on the show, as you know, I was so skeptical going in. I was really, really skeptical for, I think a lot of the same reasons. And it totally won me over. Um, But very early on, I think it was the first or second episode, very early on, 
you know, Clark is having a conversation, I believe, with um, with Jordan, uh, his son, and you know, he's talking about his, you know, his own father, Jonathan, and, and he's talking about how, you know, he was a great dad, but he was he was a great dad, just, he was just there, like he was just yeah. there, and you know, I that was something that I was well. We didn't really have a choice in the pandemic. We were together no matter right. what. But even absent that, that has been my instinct, you know, with, with my with my own son. But, you know, hearing that, like, that definitely stuck with me, like, of just being there. And now, you know, you want to talk about a practical effect, like, hey, you know, as we're recording this in my in my day job, uh, you know, we're kind of working out scheduling for uh, for the months ahead. And, I, I, you know, I think we've worked it out well where I'll be able to be with my son as much as possible. I kind of, I'll leave it at that. But... Heck yeah. That was something that was really important to me, even absent Superman and Lois. But, you know, kind of that scene, it, it, it really hit home for me where he was like, you know, like Pa was, he was just there. Um, so that really, mm-hmm. that really, uh, you know, meant a lot. And then, you know, overall, just this idea that there's always a way, you know, because I think for all of us, you know, there's so many instances in our lives, you know, personal, professional, creative, whatever it might be, romantic, there's like all these instances where you feel like you've just hit a roadblock, you've hit a wall and you don't know what to do. And I do think that it's something I've gotten from Superman is this idea that like, there's a way, there's always a way, like there's always something you can figure out. There's always, you know, again, something you haven't thought of. And, uh, and that's something that I, I do think comes from Superman for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you always end up finding it. You may not get the result that you want, but you end up finding it along the way as trying new things and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll say something real quick to your uh, work and just being there. Like I made a decision probably about a year and a half ago to give up one of my weekend days to take, uh, to be around like Mondays and Tuesdays for when my kids are off in the summer. And then I can be there for them when they're at school. And, uh, cause like, I, I feel that I feel that weight of, you know, I don't want to be that workaholic. I want to be the dad and I want to be the example. And, uh, there are some, there are a lot of things that are more important than uh, career sometimes. And it is, man, you check yourself daily with your kids. And when you're trying to be a good dad, be a good super dad. <laughs> so no, I definitely relate to that, man. It's, it's the tough choices that we make to be that. And, uh, but it's all worth it, man. The smiling faces, the, the hugs, when you walk in the door, man, it makes it all worth it. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm so with you. Uh, now all that being said, like I said, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about some of the aspects of the character that I think might challenge what we've just laid out here a little bit when we talk about the morality. And the first thing that comes to mind is, well, actually the, the two of them really do like their forefront on my mind, but I'll start with the lying and not generally, like, I mean, I think generally as far as this idea that he needs to, he needs to perpetrate this fraud in order to have some separation, in order to live a normal life, in order to protect the people who are around him, right? And yep. I think to an extent, like, we get that and that makes sense. Where I really hit a wall with that is when it comes to Lois. Mm-hmm. Because I just feel like, and I, I talked about, you know, I did, I think, a little mini episode on Superman and Lois before the series started. I, we, the trailer was out, and I just did a like, little episode with my buddy Mike, and I think I, I brought it up in that episode, where 
I mean, it's borderline cruel, I think, to, to pretend you're two different people with someone you interact yeah. with in both of your identities, with someone you genuinely care for and have feelings for. And that's something that's tough. I'm going to go back to Smallville here, and I'm sure you'll remember this as well. The end of yeah. season five, at the end of season five, Lex is possessed by Zod. Okay. And early in the episode, um, he has the powers of Zod, but he hasn't yet been fully taken over. So he's still Lex. And he'll okay. ultimately forget all of the stuff that he's going to say in this conversation. But he he's talking to Clark and he's like, Clark Kent, so virtuous, yet you lie all the time. <laughs> and it's true. It's like, I, I mean, I have, is this something that has you've thought about? Is it something that's bugged you? How do you reconcile that? It does a little bit like when, when I watched the uh, it hit me probably the last time I watched the first Superman movie with Reeves when he's doing that whole interview with Lois on her rooftop and he's like, I never lie. And then it's like the whole scene comes and then he's knocking on the door as Clark. <laughs> and I like to tell myself that when he tries to reveal his identity to her, that it's related. But no, he's lying. <laughs> but I guess you just got to go back to that old thing about, you know, I know that uh, Jor-El and that told him the advice that he's got to keep his secret, you know, because of the whole, you know, they'll come after the people you love, which is, you know, good, but he's still lying. <laughs> so, but to say it and then just continue to contradict himself within the same time of the movie, I don't know. I guess we all try to, tell ourselves that you know, a little lie isn't too bad, but it still is, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It, you know, I guess it, cause this is something that I've thought about and I will say that within the context of Smallville, it didn't bug me as much because it wasn't a matter. I mean, in the later seasons, yes, he was, you know, he did have as a proto secret identity as the red, blue blur and then the blur. But yep. for most of the life of the series, it wasn't that he was pretending to be two different people. It was just like a piece of himself that he was hiding. And I, I had an easier time kind of reconciling that. Um, but yeah, this idea of, especially with Lois, and I want to be clear here. It's like, I, I'm not saying he shouldn't have a secret identity. And that's an indelible part of the character. But when it comes to Lois, it's just... It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, there are people in the world who like who lead these dual lives, but they're typically you know, like sociopaths. I mean, now. Yeah. Essence. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, but again, I think that it's actually kind of interesting. Right. And, you know, again, going back to the common criticism of Superman that I know you and I both reject, but, you know, the idea that he's square, or he's boring or something. It's like, no, man, this is fascinating. It's like he's this paragon of virtue, yeah. but he's, he's you know, yeah. bamboozling this woman he cares for constantly. So I think that does actually add an interesting angle to the character. Um, the other thing I want to bring up, and I know, I, I think this will resonate with you as a fellow Smallville fan and a Snyder fan, right? Okay. I love Shoot. this new trend. I love this new trend that we're seeing where there's really no point in the origin story or the story generally where he is tricking Lois. Rather, yep. she's part she's part of his story and she's part of the journey to from Clark to Superman. And, you know, you see that in Smallville. I mean, she helps him develop the bumbling, you know, glasses disguise and all that stuff. And, uh, and in the Snyder movies, I mean, Lois, you know, 
meets Clark very early in his journey, like just as he's discovering his superhero origins. And she's there, you yeah. know, before any glasses or anything like that. I love that. How, what's your take on that? I I completely agree a thousand percent. Like I love the development of the fact that she was a real intrepid reporter and doing real groundwork and stumbles across this guy and basically won't leave him alone and proves it by digging up all you know all the places he's been, interviewing people. But she was you know, most journalists and people, they want the clicks, they want the ratings, but that wasn't Lois. She cared more about her source and cared more about who this person was. And the thing that I absolutely love about the way that he told this story and shot this movie was he was not an alien to Lois in that movie at all. And she never looked at him like he was anything but Superman. And I love it. So you won't convince me any any other way that Snyder doesn't know what he's doing. So I, I love their interaction and the way that they told their story. And you're right. The whole she didn't need to be duped because in this story, there's no way she was going to be duped. You were not going to just put on some horn rim grasses and then cover it up. And I'm just Clark. And I love the end where he actually does put them on. And she's just like, welcome to the planet. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's fu it's funny, man. Going back to that Man of Steel ending, I, I remember there was like a split second where I was like, oh, no, are they going to try to make it that like she doesn't recognize him? And thankfully, <laughs> that you know, they didn't. And again, you know, of, of course, Snyder wouldn't do that. But <laughs> but, I, you know, there was that second where I'm like, right. oh, like, are they going to try to play this like the way it's typically played? Uh, so I love that. I hope that you know, in subsequent retellings of the origin, it kind of plays out more like that. Because, you know, like you were saying, you know, it's not just that it, it undermines Clark's morality to be to be lying like that, but also, right. yep. you know, it's real hard for this brilliant investigative journalist, Lois Lane, to not come off as stupid, you know, yeah. when she can't. And, you know, we talk about suspension of disbelief takes, all you it, want. Her but, credibility goes out the window if she's fallen for that, man. And that's just not how I've ever pictured Lois or want to picture Lois. Margot Kidder, yes. But Lois as the whole character, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, that's the thing. So, uh, you know, so I love that that's changing. Now, I want to, I'll jump for just a second to Superman and Lois. And I don't want to, I really, I'm not really going to spoil anything because I know our audience might not be caught up caught up and I know you aren't specifically but I will just say that as of this recording the last episode that aired uh was a retelling of of the origin uh which was uh you know his beginnings as superman okay. which was really cool and I think they did a nice job with it and I'll quote unquote this isn't a hard spoiler but I will share this this piece of it in superman and lois's uh depiction of of the origin story um they do there is a brief period where he is pretending to be two different people with, with Lois, but okay. in this telling, she falls for Clark first and okay. it like was it. really refreshing. It was such a nice change of pace where to be honest, you know, it's really kind of played as she's like, eh, like, I don't like, you know, like it, Superman's not a big thing for her. Right. Like right. she really has this relationship with Clark. And that was, that was lovely as much as, again, I, I really have now, um, really grown to love the version where Lois is truly part of the, the development of the dual identity. We didn't get that here, but short of that, 
I really like this aspect of, you know, it's like Clark, Clark's the guy for her. And, you know, it's not that she's infatuated with yeah. Superman and, you know, she can't give Clark, you know, a, a minute. So that was kind of cool. Or he's infatuated with her tripping over desks and, you know, bumbling around the office. Yeah. I like that. Yes. Well, that's the other thing. I that, think that, yeah. uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You go. No, you go, please. I think that the biggest thing, we'll go back to the Snyder, is it was, I like, it's it's more real and raw when you gradually become friends. She's getting to know this guy and figure out what, what his story is, and then, boom, love happens. And I think that that's just, I think that's real for all of us. Uh, maybe not all of us, but like in general, like that's usually how it happens. You're not going to have a Romeo and Juliet, you, you know, thing, but I don't know, like it just adds so much to the characters and you almost for a short period of time are more interested in Lois than you are Clark when you're doing that. Like she has got her game on, man. She is digging into stuff and I'm digging this. And I just, I just think that the character development from friendship to eventual relationship is so much better and so much more genuine, and uh, I'm digging it. And that's the way they play it uh, on Superman and Lois, where they're they're you know teammates and and friends, and then it develops. So I, I think you'll I think you'll enjoy Perfect. that once you get to that point. And real quick, the thing I was going to say was um, with with the bumbling Clark, and I've talked about this in other episodes. I I don't love that that depiction of the no. character as much as I love the Christopher Reeve performance generally. I don't I don't really love that aspect. I think of that's it. the only thing I like about it because it just proves that he's a good he can he can pull it off. But that's the only thing I like about it. I don't like it. It doesn't add to the story. Right. Um, but what's co- I think what's cool about Superman and Lois is that he does come off as like a little bit of like a country bumpkin. But I think it's almost genuine like and to tyler hecklin's credit i yeah. think he's really playing it nicely where it's not like he's not tripping over everything and knocking pencils over and like doing all of that like you know he like he does kind of right. have that 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 air about him but i feel like it's like more i don't know like it's almost genuine or maybe like he's amplifying you know that aspect of himself a little bit but he's not tripping all over himself so uh yeah i thought that was cool uh so yeah the lying is is a is one piece of the morality that's that's kind of tough uh but interesting and and i think uh you know we've hit on a lot of the key aspects of that the other and of course snyder will come up here as well is it's rare but on occasion superman kills yeah yeah you said we'll bring Snyder up again. I think we need, just need to keep talking about it. I, I tell you what, man. When I saw that, the end of Man of Steel, I was like, whoa. But then I was like, it was another alien. It wasn't a human. I guess that's how I justify it for myself. But in that moment, I think it was more about saving people, saving innocence. And that's the key, the innocence of people and how fragile people are. And he recognizes that and would stop at nothing to protect that. And I find him more admirable for doing it, I guess. I guess it's no different than a soldier laying down their life and making the ultimate decision or, you know, any, you could, as a father, you can honestly say that something, if you were in that situation and it was your kid, would you, what would Superman do? Well, obviously he saved somebody he didn't even know, but it's, it's a tough one, man. It was 
talked about. It's still talked about. Uh, a lot of people had a problem with it. Um, but I guess continuing with context and, you know, it's this version of the story. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad for me, man. I thought he did the right thing, I guess. <laughs> people may hate me for that answer, but hey, that's me. You know, it's, you know, an obvious statement at this point to make that people are split on this movie. And I'll be honest. And I, I talked about this previously. But we're still talking about it. Still talking about it. And I, I mentioned this previously, you know, when I saw that scene the first time in 2013, when I was sitting in that theater, it's like, yeah, I had a reaction to it and it wasn't necessarily a positive one. At the time, yeah. my feeling was, and for years, this was kind of what I would say to people. I was like, well, I, I, I don't love that the movie put him in that situation, but I agreed and I understood more than I understood the decision that he made in that moment. But again, with, with some time and subsequent rewatches, it's like, I've, I, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've come to appreciate what Snyder, you know, was, was going for there. And, you know, someone could kind of turn my own words against me here, right? Because a few minutes ago, I was like, you know, Superman teaches us there's always a way in this. And you would say, yeah. well, couldn't he find another way and not kill Zod? But I think in this instance, as much as you can argue, well, he could have flown Zod up in the sky. Zod would have come back. Zod would have come back and yep. gone after that family or a different family. Like, I think that in to kind of reconcile what I was saying before with with Man of Steel, it's like there is always a way. In this case, unfortunately, the way yep. was killing Zod. Um, yeah. And you know, again, you can argue that oh man, I don't love want to see that in a Superman movie, and it's like, well, all right, fine, if you don't want to see that in a Superman movie. But I think for if he pulled a Phantom Zone projector out of his you know back pocket. And that was his solution. We'd be talking about how, and you know, I, th th here, I'll say this. I love that Snyder, Snyder doesn't do anything half-hearted. The fact is he does stuff and writes stuff to where we are still talking about it. And it takes multiple watches and it takes unpacking it and peeling the layers of the onion. And you discover more of the story almost each and every time you watch it. So he's not a fool. And you're right. Like we're sitting here talking about the morality of Superman. I guarantee you had something like people, people are going to be talking about this. So this is why I did it. And it's true, man. It, it really does make you think over and over and over again, but most people approach it kind of like, like you said, I don't want to see this in a Superman movie. I just want to be entertained. And this isn't the character that I love, but it's a new character, a new version. And, now you really got to struggle or think or think outside the box and understand why he decided to put it in there. And I don't, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't upset. I was kind of shocked, but multiple times thinking about it, 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 you just need to think about it, just unpack it and, and discuss it like we are right now and come to an understanding, which, you know, a lot of people don't have these days, but you know, I don't fault him one bit. And I, I agree with, I agree with your take it, it you're, you're going to be able if somebody, eat, you know, makes you eat your words, like dude, it, you're, if you're not evolving or changing or learning from something, then, you know, what are we doing here? Like, and it's just fun to do about a movie and a story and a character. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, and the thing in that, in that specific instance was, you know, he was choosing humanity. Like he was killing, yeah. he was destroying the last yeah. connection to his home. 
and and or, he felt it man do you not get shivers every time he cries at the end of that man like yeah. you feel it like he knows what he did man it's raw that's so, the thing he doesn't take it lightly now look in all fairness it might not have been the worst thing in the world to have like one more scene maybe where he talked to Lois about it or because the next scene is I think him like right. tossing the satellite at uh, Swanwick and he's, you know, making jokes and it's, and yeah. to be honest, you know, there, it was, there was maybe a little bit of dissonance there between like that whale after killing Zod and then like, yeah. you know, he's kind of laughing things off. It's fair enough. But in the context of that moment, that scene, the anguish that he expresses after, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I, Again, yes, I know it is a it is a point of contention for people, but I think it works. And here's and this is the thing. I know we always talk about the killing of Zod in in the Snyder movie, but it's mm -hmm. not without precedent. Yeah. You know, he kills Zod in at the end of John Byrne's run in the comics. Correct. And in that so now I'm I'm gearing up for this uh weekly run of episodes uh in September and October where I'm going to be going through that entire period leading up to and including the death of Superman. So I have a lot of reading ahead of me, but that's one story I had read previously. And in that story, I mean, Superman, it's not just that Superman, you know, snaps a neck in the heat of battle to save. He coldly executes Zod and the other Kryptonian criminals. Yeah. It has been a while since I've read that run. I started reading his man of steel. Um, I, I think I got through like the first three, uh, a month or so back i didn't get to it because i did reread all the jeff Loeb and stuff when you did all that and uh such a great period but now i'm trying to go back and reread a lot of the other stuff that i haven't read forever so you'll have to remind me of additional things from that yeah i mean uh, you know honestly i'll save the full discussion for when we when we get there in that that gotcha. of episodes but um but yeah i mean basically you know they've you know, these Kryptonians have, they're, they're in like a pocket dimension and they've committed genocide is the, the gist, the basic gist of it. Um, but, and their powers have been removed yeah. via gold kryptonite, but that's not enough. And so Superman uses green kryptonite and kills them. And, you know, for fans of that era, you know, you'll, you'll likely know, and you're probably thinking it right now that, you know, this set off a whole story arc where Superman was, was really tormented by what he had done and he exiled himself into space. And it was, it was, I think they, you know, they, they did take the time to explore the ramifications of that, but you know, that's a case where he flat out executed them. And then going right. back to the Christopher Reeve movies, you know, in Superman <laughs> two, and I talked about this too in another episode, but you know, there is, there is a deleted scene where the Arctic, like the North pole police are carting off Zod and Nan and Ursa. So you see that they lived, but in the movie, whether it's yeah. the, the theatrical cut or the Donner cut in the actual movie, they seemingly fall to their deaths in the in the caverns, the crevice of the of the Fortress of Solitude. Yes. And Superman does not bat an eye. <laughs> nope. He wraps up wraps him up with his fruit roll up S that he threw off of his costume. And that always kind of creeped me out as a kid, like, wow, like a little foggy pit of doom. Man, I don't want to go into that for I like I'm scared to death of the Richard Donner Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you gotta take watch one your wrong step, step dude. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta watch your step. So, I mean, you know, overall, I, I think I probably know your answer based on our conversation about the Snyder movie. But as far as this idea of Superman not killing, I mean, I guess where I kind of land is, you know, I don't want him to be the Punisher. I don't want him to be looking to kill. I don't want that to be his first choice. But 
if he's in a situation like we see in Man of Steel, I'm comfortable with him making that decision. I don't think that undermines the, you know, the the morality that we think of when it comes to Superman. Where do you, where do you fall on that? I completely agree. It's uh, it's just like anything in life. It's about it's about the context and what the situation is, and we can't judge. We got to judge each situation on its own merits. And uh, I agree with you, hundred percent. And you know, the last thing I'll say, and I know I've said this before, but I just think that it's it's all well and good to say that there's there's you know he'll always find another way and not kill, but it's like he's able to do that because the stories give him it out. You know, if yes. you want to get like meta about it, they there's you know the writers craft another way for him to deal with the situation. And I think in the Snyder movie, kind of took that away and like put him in yeah. as realistic a situation as possible. And you know, yes, there was so much destruction in that movie, and that's its own conversation. But you know, in that scene, I really like that it came down to that one family, this one mm-hmm. random family. It wasn't Lois. It wasn't Parrot. It wasn't someone he knew. It was just this random family, and he chose to protect that representation of humanity at the expense of his last tangible connection to his home world. And I think that's really powerful. And in the context of that movie, it's like, that's that's a hero, it, I, and I stand by that. Very much so. Very much so. I think that uh, another thing, it was just a real quick thing that he said when Zod is trying to prevent him from destroying the ship— and he just says Krypton had had its chance, like it's over, like you're not going to do this. And it ultimately came to be what it was. But no, dude, uh, it that movie still to this day will constantly make you think. And uh, I love it for that. For sure. All right. Let's. So I think we've covered the, the, the moral aspects of the character. We'll take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, yeah, I want to talk about this idea of the ethical duty and you know, how far should Superman take it? And we have a few specific stories, uh, Superman for the quest for peace, Superman peace on earth, uh, an issue of Batman from the no man's land storyline, uh, and a, and a little bit yeah. of the, um, the king of the world storyline from the late nineties in the comics that all kind of, they, they kind of address this idea of, you know, what are the limits of what he should do with his power? Um, and I think that's another really yeah. interesting aspect. So we'll take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back and we'll get into that. If you enjoy this show, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I also hope you'll consider joining my Patreon community. The support of my patrons enables me to produce this podcast, and patrons get rewards too, including exclusive episodes, advanced listens, and more. Sign up today and get instant access to the back catalog. Visit patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. Thank you to all of my patrons. I truly appreciate your support. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas. Whether it's comic book superhero stories or role-playing in a dungeon, The Hive is where to be. Come tap your mana and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics and on Instagram at The Hive Comic Shop. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On To Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In The Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts 
and Cullen on Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. All right, and we're back. And on the note of, uh, of, of plugs, where can people listen to the Heroes Home Base podcast, Rich? Uh, we're pretty much on everything. Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google, and uh, those are pretty much it. We're not doing uh, video as of right now. We're not as advanced as you are, Anthony. Uh, I just don't have the time. <laughs> I, you know, because I pretty much do everything. <laughs> you know, it's it's a uh, it's been. F- I'll peel back the curtain for a moment for the audience. It's been fun doing the video podcasts. I don't know that I'll necessarily continue it once my I use a platform called Ecam and I have a yearly subscription. Mm-hmm. And once that subscription is up, I don't know that I will necessarily uh, continue it. So it's been yeah. fun, and I, I mean, it's I I to be honest, it's like I know that I've picked up. Uh, viewers slash listeners through youtube just by virtue of having it there so there is some value to it but at the same time like to use ecamm there's a a not insignificant cost to to have it and i don't know that it's totally worth it so all that being said uh you know it's fun to do but and in my in my heart of hearts it's like to me a podcast is is audio it's you know you know so so there's a little bit of that but it's been fun doing uh but so i hope i do hope everyone checks out uh, your podcast and I do also want to give. I appreciate it. I want to give a couple of uh, comic shop shoutouts. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our great friends, uh, Fat Moose Comics in Whippany, New Jersey, uh, led yeah. by Sean Hendricks, who of course is in my comic shop country. He's been on all my podcasts, not this one yet, but I've got him on tap for one for next year. And uh, they're in Whippany, New Jersey. I encourage people if they're in the area or near the area to check them out in person or at least check them out on social media. Feel free to reach out to Sean uh, if there's something that you're looking for. I know he'll uh, do his best to hook you up with it if he can. Um, And I also want to give a shout out to another New Jersey store, Eastside Mags in uh, Montclair, New Jersey. They're actually going to be moving uh, over the coming months, and I'll likely tell you more about that on the podcast when it happens. Uh, but in the meantime, if you're in the Montclair area or if you want to check them out uh, online, it's East Side Mags. Really cool store run by a guy named Jeff. Uh, I had him on my other podcast, My Comic Shop History, a few years ago. Uh, really, really cool dude, and it's a nice shop. And again, they're going to be moving. So um, again, if you're in the in or near the area, uh, do check out East Side Mags. Uh, okay. So uh, let me plug this real quick. Have you listened on ours? And now my buddy Mark is like obsessed with zap comics since you did that in the movie. The (laughs) dude will take a train ride for like an hour just to go there. And he absolutely every episode we record, he's like, I went to zap, 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 zap. And I'm just like, dude, you you just need to (laughs) they need to pay you. (laughs) I've seen. So there you go, dude. Your movie has exposed a lot of people to a lot of different shops, man. So good work. That's cool. No, I, I love to see that. So like I said, I want to get into this idea of the ethical duty of Superman. And we have a few stories that are going to highlight that. Um, this is going to date this episode a tiny bit, but it's worth it. So there is a forthcoming uh, totally mini series uh, written by Grant Morrison, Superman and the Authority. And yes, to be honest, I don't know a ton, a ton about it, but um, Morrison gave an interview recently and uh, there was a quote uh, that I wanted to share that that kind of speaks to what we're going to be talking about. So Morrison said, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do uh, I'm not gonna do an impression. I'm just gonna read it as as myself. It was probably it's probably super deep, isn't it? <laughs> well, as it usually is. But so all right, Morrison said, I think there's a certain degree of 
if he's that powerful, couldn't he change things? We're kind of leaning into the idea that he's a really good man and wants to do the best for us, but he's not actually human. He doesn't want to break us, but he's gotten to the point where he thinks maybe he should break us, maybe we need this. It's slightly scarier than Superman as an authoritarian dad with heat vision eyes. It's more of an alien Mm. perspective saying, I've had enough of you, you've been messing up too long, and are really going to hurt yourselves if I don't do something. So very germane to our conversation. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I want to... Ooh. I am going to check that out, though. When is that coming out? Do you know? I think... uh, Actually, I I don't know. I don't know offhand. Um, I was going to say summer, but I think it might be more in the fall, but it's definitely before the year is out. It's definitely in 2021. That, I know it's on my list at the at my shop to pull. So and and so and I just to be clear with the audience, that's kind of what we're talking about. It's not so much. And I'm going to do an episode in the future where we talk about all these stories where Superman, you know, goes evil and and all that. That's not really what this is about. It's more this idea of if you're Superman, if you have these powers, I guess is it enough to you know save people when a natural disaster occurs? Is it enough to stop a crime when it happens? Or you know could or should you do more like should you do something to combat the environmental factors that are leading to those natural disasters in the first place should you be trying to cure world hunger or poverty factors that might lead someone to to try to steal those are kind of the questions that that i that i would love to discuss because i think it's it's fascinating it's a fascinating piece of this you know i think that um Oh, what was my train of thought going to be? Um, when we ask ourselves, should he step in? I, th- it's it's hard not to think about the lie again. Like he's he's you know doing the se- secret identity thing, and then obviously like the before the origin when you know nobody knows he exists, and is like, is he really thinking about this before the world even knows? Like I could do this. Oh, so he questioned himself. Like I I could have done something. Um, but I always ask myself, like if Superman was real, would he even have time for Lois? (laughs) Like, cause you know, people would be constantly like, I got a hangnail or Superman, you know, I I got a parking ticket where Superman, like I'm late for school. Where's Superman? We would definitely abuse it in my opinion. Sorry. little rant there. (laughs) No, you're. I don't. I don't think you're wrong, and that's basically the argument that Jor-El makes in Superman the yeah. movie. And specifically, it's a scene that's in the special edition. I don't. I believe it was cut from the it theatrical is, yeah, special cut. edition. But you know, after Superman makes his public debut, he has this conversation with Jor-El, and Jor-El is like, "Well, all right, you're revealed to the world, but you must maintain your secret identity." And Superman's like, "Why?" <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and Jor-El is like, "Well, the reasons are twofold, son." It turns out that 15-year programming session wasn't enough. He still had more wisdom to impart. <laughs> uh, right. You know, he talks about, you know, needing to protect the followed people. By that awkward, followed by that awkward hug scene where he's like this. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it, that part's a little goofy. But, you know, he talks about how, you know, he needs a secret identity to protect the people close to him, of course. But then also, I think a far more interesting idea that, you know, it's it's the nature of humans to abuse their resources and so if you do too much for them um you know they'll they'll rely on you too much and that actually speaks to uh 
a Bronze Age story that I recently talked about in in a, in a different episode. Must there be a Superman mm-hmm. uh, from the from Bronze Age, where the Guardians of the Universe pose that question and they kind of implant the seed of the idea in Superman's mind of like, if you do too much for humanity, are you not impeding their cultural advancement? Right, if they're relying on you too much. So you know that's kind yeah. of another side to this as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I guess the biggest thing, uh, one of, uh, I think it was BVS, um, the political, uh, characters, I just call it the characters, the whole government people, you know, running these questions, uh, constantly. And he's, he's has to think about it. I really do think though, is that was an important thing. It's relatable to all of us now because of where we are with social and constant news and, whether you agree on one side or the other, but it, it all relates to us and it really does put into question. I think who is Holly Hunter? Is that who played the Senator where she's just like, you know, should the world, you know, should Superman be here? And we do have him. And I think that again, we're back to Snyder, but I, I do, I think it just brings up what you were saying is it's a whole lot. Sorry. Let's dig in. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I, and so, yes, we come back to Snyder, but I appropriately because Snyder, you know, Snyder positions Superman in quote unquote, the real world. And, you know, it's funny, people might, might find this odd for me to say, but it's, it's, I do think he's, he's actually pretty generous because I don't think, Mm -hmm. you know, in the movie, right, we, all these different perspectives are presented, like you were saying, right? And we have all these news commentators and everyone's wondering, you know, is he an agent of the government? Is he, you know, are his intentions nefarious? There's one person who's like, I think he's just a guy. Like, he's just, like, he's just a guy, like, trying to help. But, um, you know, you have all these mixed perspectives and, you know, I, I don't know that he would be treated quite as well. In, in the actual real world, if he appeared now. He'd be treated worse, man. The one, I really do. The one wrinkle, the one thing that I'll say is that, you know, we live, we are in a world where we've, we, you know, we all have a familiarity with this idea of superpowered beings through our, our pop culture. Like, did you see recently there was a guy basically on what looked like a green goblin glider in Times Square? Did you see that? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> This was not not that long ago. There was this video, I, and it looked legit, unless it's been debunked. In which case, you know, forgive me, but it looked legit, and it was it was like a hoverboard of some sort, and there was like a few seconds of him gliding like in the air through Times Square. And what was what were all the tweets? All the tweets were, "Oh, the Green Goblin is real," because because <laughs> there's this frame of reference. So I do think. Like if there, and if a, if a being with the powers and you know the powers of Superman appeared, I think you know we would have some kind of frame of reference. But taking that out of the equation, yeah, and even with that in the equation, I still think that the movie, the Snyder movies, yeah. gave Superman a better deal than he would get in the real world. Absolutely. Um, and the I don't other, think they'd be building the monuments for him, man. <laughs> no monument. I don't think there'd be a monument. But but you know, you mentioned like the you know the Senate hearings and everything that he's called in for. And what's fascinating is that in those movies, and specifically BVS, Batman v Superman, where where he you know the we're really getting into the meat of this discussion, where people are debating his intentions and everything. Yeah, all he's doing is saving people. 
He's right. not, you know, like he's not trying to sur- to solve world hunger. He's not trying to disarm the world of nuclear weapons. He's 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 just rescuing people. <laughs> yeah, man. <sighs> you never thought you get yelled at or slapped on the wrist for trying to lend a hand to help out. That's really, honestly, that's all he's doing. It's yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, maybe maybe that movie starts to answer the question, especially if we're trying to look at this as realistically as possible. Maybe this starts to answer the question of like why he shouldn't go so far. Because it's like in the context of those movies, even just rescuing some people raised suspicion. Um, and, and I'll also say this yeah. because just if we're, again, to kind of get a little meta here, it's like, right, at the end of the day, Superman can't solve too much because it's like we need future stories. <laughs> so, you know, right. right, there is that right. aspect. But if we're trying to look at this as realistically as possible and specifically looking at stories that do do really address this um, this question, um, like I said, I do think the Snyder movies might start to um, give us a little bit of an answer, like why he doesn't go so far. He's in, in, in that telling of the story, like he's met with so much resistance just with some saves. Now, yeah. can we, we got to jump to Superman 4. Okay. The quest for peace. Because <laughs> it's like, it's it's so night and day in terms of, you know, again, the Snyder movie really giving us like this hard look at what Superman would be like in the real world. In Superman 4, the quest for peace, and for anyone who, who hasn't watched it in a while or if you, somehow you've never watched it if you're a Superman fan, um, you know, this little kid writes Superman a letter, like, why don't you just get rid of all the world's nuclear weapons? And of course, this movie came out right in the in the late 80s, we have all the Cold War fears, yep. all of that. So yep. it's very much a product of its time. But, you know, in the context of the movie, this kid writes Superman a letter and Superman decides, okay. And so he addresses the United Nations and he's like, you know, and it's, and again, it's the Christopher Reeve performance and we love that. But, you know, there's a lot of integrity and it's very earnest. And he's like, you know, I've been a visitor on your world for, you know, for a long time, but this is my home and I'm going to do what you're unwilling or unable to do. I am going to just destroy the, you know, the world's entire arsenal of nuclear weapons. This world of all nuclear weapons. And, and, and Rich, (laughs) how, how do the representatives of all the world's nations, how do they respond in that moment? They cheer. It's the, you know, in a, in and then they're, uh, you know, they're, they're sending a telegram like, Hey, you better hide this one in the bunker, man. We're going to need this, uh, for our future plans. <laughs> it's like in a, in a movie with nuclear man, that scene at the UN is far and away the hardest thing to wrap my head around yeah. and to suspend my disbelief for this idea that all of these nations who have effectively caused the problem in the first place, right? Like there's all this tension yeah. between them that they're just like, oh, this is great. Like, he'll get rid of all the nuclear weapons. Like, you know, and again, I know I said before, I don't want to punch down with this movie. I think that the idea, the basic, basic germ of the idea for this movie, that Superman is going to take that more proactive role, I think is really, really interesting. It, It would have been cool to see that play out in an instance where we got a more realistic reaction to it. You know, ultimately, you know, yeah. Lex has a plot. He creates a nuclear, you know, and then it, it kind of devolves from there. But um, but there is, I think, where the movie is most compelling. And, tell, and again, I know as a fan of the movie, you tell me, I think the most compelling part is when he's like trying to wrestle with whether or not to, to do this. And it's not much, but you get a f- couple of scenes that speak to that. I think it was uh, what when Clark is in the Daily Planet and it's like on all the televisions and he's reading the newspaper where what he supposedly rejected the kid 
And I thought that that was an emotional performance by Reeves. And he's really trying to decide like, well, maybe I should do it on its face. It just looks like he's trying to appease a kid that wanted him to do something, which I don't think is the case, but (laughs) no, like I think that I guess that was the best emotional performance of Clark and Superman in that movie. It just didn't transpire very well. (laughs) I just felt like you mentioned it. It was to me, it just felt like they were using the time like you said, the Cold War uh, modern, you know, story, and then just using it as a plot gimmick to get a cool villain. You know what I mean? Like, because what we had uh, Richard Pryor and the computer in Superman 3, now we need something really cool. Although I will say the best part about Superman 3 is when he's fighting himself in the junkyard. But um, no, I just thought it felt, like you said, the, the intention was great. It's, it was really, I'm sure it resonated with a lot of people. It probably put a lot of people in the seats because everybody was concerned about that. But it just fell flat with, with it just trying to be a gimmick to get a villain. And once again, Lex has something to do with it where he just disguises himself as a military and he launches it. And I'm just like, no way, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it's rough. And for anyone who's not familiar with the background of the movie, the uh, the Salkins, um, father and son producing team who did the first few Superman movies, they um, they farmed yep. out their rights uh, to, to another production company for, for Superman 4. <laughs> and the budget was slashed significantly. And, you know, you just see it. A on, lot, yeah. You just see it on the screen. I mean, you know, when Superman's flying, it's basically the same flying shot superimposed on different backgrounds throughout the movie. It's, it's this, it's sad. It's really sad because it's the latest movie in the series, right? Obviously. And it looks the worst. It looks, you know, like the effects have been set back, you know, decades. It's really unfortunate. Uh, when I, when I rewatched it a few months ago, my, (laughs) the one thing that I kept thinking was like, man, I don't know that a movie score has ever worked harder than it has in this because <laughs> you have, yeah. you know you have and and you know there was new uh, you know new musical arrangements as well but they they still utilize that iconic john williams score and it's like man they got as much mileage out of that thing and that it's funny because it's like it tricks you they sure did it tricks you right because you hear that yeah. music and it's like you think it's better than it is <laughs> i feel like if you watch that movie with no score it would, I mean, it would be even worse than, than it already is. Um, but there were, so anyway, that's like the basic, you know, uh, as far as the background of that movie. But, you know, Christopher Reeve came up with a story for it. Um, so this was something that he was yeah. passionate about. It was his idea. Obviously, it wasn't executed the way I'm sure he wanted it to be. But there were a couple of scenes that I thought were, were really cool. Um, there's a scene where Superman goes to the fortress. Uh, where he's trying to make a decision and if you know there's <laughs> there's no Marlon Brando in this movie <laughs> right <laughs> but uh he you know he seeks the counsel of some of the like Kryptonian elders and they basically w- one of them is just like you should just flee to a different planet <laughs> it's like okay um, but then the other one is like you know if you if you like teach the humans to put their faith in one person even you like you're teaching them to be betrayed um, which I guess is another little yeah. kind of interesting angle betrayed. to all of this. Betrayed. Betrayed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so there's that, but then there's, also, I think, yeah, let no, me say ahead. this. Yeah, Cause yeah. I just thought of this. Um, and when you said uh, Christopher Reeves was passionate about it, 
the very beginning where he saves the Russian cosmonauts, I think was like, Hey, let's work together. Let's not do this. Like we can all coexist and I'm willing to save or, you know, reach my hand out and save even the Russians. <laughs> you know, I thought that was a big, a big thing. And, you know, I glossed over it and it didn't hit me till probably the last time I watched it. Like, dude, he was saying something in the beginning. I know this is all cold war, but like, he tried, I guess. Like, let's work together. Um, sorry. Go back to your original question. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's that's all good. Uh, yeah, I guess when we talk about you know some of those those Cold War movies, you know, we, we needed something a little more like like Rocky Four, where he's really just punching yeah. communism in the face. Like we re- we really you know. <laughs> but, uh, and I, I, I'm, you know, I'm sure you know, I'm a massive Rocky fan, and I'm very excited. Actually, Stallone's doing a director's cut of Rocky Four, so I'm, uh, I'm looking Ooh. forward to that. Mm, but, good old Sly. Good old Sly. But so the other, the other scene that really, that I, I thought actually was impactful was, and it was a tiny, tiny moment, but I liked it, where uh, Superman is on the roof with Lois, and we're gonna, you know, this is. We have this whole bit where he reveals his secret identity to Lois. He takes her on another flight, and then he erases her memory with another kiss. That piece of it was real, you know, I, it was regrettable. But earlier in the scene, as Superman, he says to Lois, he's like, you know, Lois, I don't always know what to do. I don't always know what I'm supposed to do. And that was, like, I, I truly, I think, like, a, a genuine resonant moment in that movie where he expresses, like, you know... And especially in those movies where you don't, it's, I, it, I think it's harder to connect with the character as a person in those movies. Yes. And I feel like that was a moment where it's like, yeah, like he's, you know, he's, he is sometimes just a guy like trying to figure it out. And I, so I thought that was, a, that was a cool moment as he was wrestling with that, you know? I think Superman is so much more relatable to us when we see him struggle with that when we see him struggling watching news coverage about himself and is trying to figure out the right thing but i think it's such a key to realize that he is so human in that moment and he's so relatable to us because we ask ourselves the same questions so it's like we look up to him but he's still just that one line from the whedon cut of justice league and that's all i'll say about it was where Bruce said he's more human than I am was probably the best line from that whole entire version because it's almost true, man. He's almost more human than a lot of us and what we should be. So yes. Yeah, it's true. I mean, when you think about, you know, Bruce and the path that he was set on and his upbringing and, and, and all of that versus Clark's, which powers aside was like a lot more down to earth. Like Clark is far yeah. more a man of the people you know, than, yeah. than Bruce Wayne. So yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give the theatrical cut that. <laughs> That's it. That is all. I will never bring it up again. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. But, uh, but yeah, you know, so when, when we talk about this, I guess there are a few different um, considerations, right? Like how far the power should go, you know, is, and I think it's in Superman for the quest for not Superman for a uh, Superman peace on earth. Uh, the, uh, the tabloid sized, okay. Uh, Alex Ross, Paul Dini story where, where he yeah tries to fight world hunger. I think it's in that story at one point where he's like, you know, I don't know that it's my place to insert myself. So, you know, there's, there's that kind of angle um, that that's interesting too. I'll say this about the peace on earth. This came out in the late nineties. 
I read it when yep. it came out and I don't have the strongest memory. I think that I think I liked it, but it didn't necessarily stick with me. I think I was a little too young to really appreciate mm -hmm. what the story w was doing. And when I reread it now, and I don't think I've reread it since it first came out. I've, I, I there's a lot of weight, doesn't it? I was so moved by it. What, um, you know, what, what were your impressions, especially upon rereading it? It, uh, it is so heavy on so many levels. Um, he is still trying to do the right thing by, it doesn't matter what country he's exposed to terrorism, to, you know, people starving stuff that he wasn't normally exposed to or what we don't really think about him having to fight. Um, I guess the biggest thing that stood out was this kind of relates to what we were just talking about. I love the page where he is sitting in the recliner with his suit on analyzing everything that he's done. And it's just like, that's like my dad coming home from work, sitting in the chair and, job well done or good job and you'll live to fight another day but it is it is a beautiful book i mean alex ross is awesome uh have you ever met him no like at a con or anything such a good dude i, I think i got his signature on some stuff in 2001 in chicago just and his dad was there uh, like walking around behind his table and I'm like, Oh my God, it's Reverend McKay from kingdom come. Holy crap. Can I get your autograph too? Um, but no dude, his, his artwork, it just transcends the page dude. And you, you feel it as well as the story. It, it's an amazing, amazing story. And it, it is so heavy and meaty is something I like to say a lot when it comes to something like that, because it's just so tough. And it really takes, I think I was with you, man. When I bought it, when it first came out, and you're right, it was like, uh, what, late 90s? I didn't really get it. I just, uh, can you still hear me? I think I just lost something. You, you, cut, you, got out, me still? you cut out for a second. So if, yeah, if you don't mind just taking us back to uh, when you when you first bought it. Hang on a second. Yeah, no worries. Actually, while you're while you're doing that, I will take the opportunity. Plug just went away. All right, while you're uh, while you're doing that, I'll take the opportunity to uh, just share with the audience that our next episode, I guess, is kind of going to somewhat continue along this uh, thread where we're looking at some, you know, some somewhat complex and interesting aspects of the character. Um, and for my next episode, I'm going to be joined by a former customer of my old comic shop, who's actually a real life pastor. And we're going to be talking about the Brian Azzarello, Jim Lee story for tomorrow. Um, that'll sort of make up the, the spine of our episode, the meat of the episode. But the bigger picture is we're going to be talking about the, um, the religious implications of the character. You know, there are numerous parallels um, between Superman and biblical figures, specifically Moses and Jesus. And there are... Uh, you know, a ton of stories, and I'm sure as you're listening to this or watching this, things are coming to mind where we've had writers and artists and directors really lean into uh, that religious symbolism. And it's something that I've always kind of been fascinated by 
And uh, so we're going to talk about that. So that's going to be the next episode. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, so are you back with us, Rich, or are you still sorting out your your, your tech stuff? Still can't hear. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause the recording right now. All right, and we're back uh, to our audience. No time at all passed. And for us, it's only been a couple of minutes, but uh, we, we sorted out uh, tech. And I <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. I took the opportunity to give the audience a little uh, heads up about our next episode, uh, which I guess you didn't get to hear since your audio had cut out. But uh, but anyway, we did Darn that. It. <laughs> so I want to jump back to what you were saying as far as Superman, Peace on Earth, and and um, you know what the experience was like for you the first time you kind of came to that story you were starting to tell us. It was... I didn't really approach it as the 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 weight of the story. It was just so I was so mesmerized by Alex Ross and I wanted to read everything that he did. I just done Kingdom Come and I just wanted to see this giant big book. And the story didn't really resonate with me, but now coming back to it, I actually read it to my kids. They didn't get it <laughs> at all. They just thought it was cool. Uh, but no, dude, it was just how he would put himself out there and want to do something so huge just to feed somebody. And it, it was a totally different take. I'm sure they've done story arcs in the past about something about it, but no, it was, it was refreshing. The dialogue was really good. It was a, it was, I'd never read, I'd never read a book like that before. It was just mesmerizing really. And uh, it made you think about a lot of stuff and it made you think about your situation that you experience day to day and that, you know, there's people in this world that do not experience the situation that you have. I mean, I've, I've, I have never struggled to put food on the table and, uh, and to deal with that. And it really does make you think about other people. And I guess that's good though. Well said. And, yeah, so I guess we had similar experiences because, yeah, on this reread, I, I just, I really was so moved. And, you know, I mean, the basic premise, it's set, you know, uh, during the holidays and, and Superman is, you know, bringing the mm -hmm. tree to, you know, Rockefeller Center Christmas effectively. Tree, yep. And, you know, he comes across yeah. this, uh, you know, the, this homeless, starving woman and he brings her to a shelter and it just really hits home for him. Uh, you know, about the the plight of people who, who don't have enough to eat. And, you know, he decides to take a more proactive role. So again, it, this is a perfect story for, you know, this episode that we're talking about here. Um, and it's not anything even as controversial as, you know, ridding the world of nuclear weapons. I mean, it's really right. just feeding people. A basic necessity. You know, and he appeals to Congress and he's like, look, there are all, you know, these stores of, of food that we can distribute and, you know, he, he leads the charge. And so, you know, it's, you know, scene after scene of him going to different countries and, and trying to, you know, distribute this food. And he recognizes, right, that, you know, this isn't going to solve the situation, right? But the idea is that maybe if other people see that Superman is taking this seriously, that it will inspire yeah. action in them. But even then, he runs, in, and I think this, I think this really is a, is, it's a very effective story in showing why, like why maybe he doesn't do this normally and why he probably, you know, maybe sh because it's at the end of the day, it still comes down to people. And, you know, he runs yeah. into these, you know, countries with dictators who threaten to, to kill the people he's trying to feed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
So there's there's a lot of stuff like that that I think is really interesting and does, you know, again, as much as like I was saying before, right? Superman can't solve too many problems because then, you know, it's it's like <laughs> it's hard to tell, you know, fictional stories. But within the context of those stories, you look at something like this and it's like, yeah, like there there is that aspect to it that it's not such a quick, easy fix. Yeah. And even Superman can do it. I just think that the biggest thing was when he went over to, I can't remember where the terrorists or the, the, uh, was running everything. And he knew that he wasn't going to, the, the people that were starving, weren't going to get the food. And it's just like, as an American, you know, we read about current events around the world and it's just like, there's whole countries of people starving. And because of people like this, that were prevented from happening, it wouldn't be great if Superman represented them. And it's, it's heavy, dude. I know I said that like 50 times, but it, it is, it's heavy. It makes you think, it makes you think about your day to day. Yeah. And I, and I, that's why I think this story, you know, the fact that they chose, you know, hunger, world hunger as, you know, as Superman's mm-hmm. quest for this, I think yeah. was, was really effective because it's like, even something like that, where you think everyone would be on board, you know, he's still running into resistance yeah opposition um yeah and so that actually calls to mind um another thing that i actually i actually ended up reading a lot more than i intended to for this but uh (laughs) i'll just do a real quick setup so in the late 90s right before my favorite period the jeff Loeb, joe kelly era, uh yeah the last big storyline of the uh the prior group of creators was the storyline that I guess we could lump under the banner of King of the World or Superman Rex. Mm-hmm. Um, this was after he had had the electric powers, after he was yep. red and blue. We were past that point. And the books had introduced this villain named, named Dominus. And uh, seemingly he was defeated in a prior storyline. And then he came back for this one. And so this was, again, late. This was 99. Uh, so very late 90s. Yes. I don't no, I'm sure there's some people listening or watching who know exactly what I'm talking about, but I think there are probably a lot of people like what, like they're not, they might not be familiar with the story. Cause I think when you, when you talk about those like nineties tentpole events, obviously the death, but even things like the death of Clark Kent with the conduit villain or the trial yep. of Superman or the wedding or electric, those I think tend to get the headlines. This I think kind of flew under the radar and and again, very shortly after this, we'll have the new teams take over with, you know, Jeff Loeb and Joe Cowley. So I think this kind of yeah. got a little bit lost in the shuffle there. And it actually, I ended up reading basically the entire thing, uh, including the King of the World one shot that I know you read. That was the big, yes. the big culmination of the storyline. But the basic premise is that uh, Superman is having these nightmares about disasters that end up happening in the real world and we later find out that this villain dominus was taking his nightmares and making them reality so he's been he's being manipulated he doesn't know it at the time but the 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 effect that it has on superman is that he realizes it's like i need to do more i can't just have these dreams and then try to figure out you know when and where they're going to happen like i need to be more vigilant and so he uh, puts these satellites up in the sky and he sets up this command center in the fortress and he monitors the earth and he builds a ro- an army of robots. Robots. Very Silver Age, a nice Silver Age callback there with the robots, but these were far more you know menacing than, uh, <laughs> than the robots from the Silver Age. 
Um, and he basically sets himself up as, as this like authoritarian protector of the world. And there's an issue of Superman, Man of Tomorrow. That's part of this storyline that is basically Superman for the quest for peace in comic book form where he literally issue opens with him with this like huge net of nuclear weapons and he throws it into the sun. So we do get to kind of see that play out in comic book form, which was cool. The biggest thing when I read this, the the King of the World one shot was why is Bruce Wayne wearing Superman's costume? Because this is something that Bruce Wayne would do. Like I know that he did like an OMAC storyline, probably I don't know two thousands or whatever, where he had his satellites and stuff. Like this is so Bruce, like yeah. trying to but be nefarious. But it was it, it was it was definitely a different take. The robots intention, I guess, was good, but it's hard not to see a completely fascist Kal-El here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Spooky. Yeah. Well, and so I, I, this story is a little bit of an outlier, you know, compared to the other two that we talked about, mm-hmm. because here, you know, Superman is being manipulated by an outside force, as opposed to yes. the quest for peace and peace on earth, where he's really just making a choice to do something more proactive um, that being said, right. the reason why I wanted to talk about this and the reason I think I ended up reading so much more of it than I intended to was putting all of the dominant stuff aside. I think what this story shows is it's one thing for Superman to say, okay, I'm going to be more proactive. I'm going to whatever, you know, fill in the blank, right? This story yeah. shows how much f- like follow up is is necessary and kind of going back to what we were saying before about people it's like yeah you can remove a dictator from a country which he does in one of these uh, king of the world issues as part of the storyline but once he's not there like the dictator comes back so that's why he needs this um you know this armada of robots to patrol and to enforce his will so you know that's and and I, I think you, again you see that play out in the peace on earth uh, story as well where you know again it, there's no quick fix but this this king of the world storyline again I think it was effective in showing um, you know just how and in that story I mean like I said he he commits himself to this twenty four seven he's he's literally surveilling the world he has this army of robots yeah it's like and that's probably what it would take to enact lasting change. And whether it's change yeah. for the, and that's, you know, that's the thing here too. It's like, you know, he is, you know, basically deposing dictators and ridding the yeah. world of, of nuclear arms and all of that. Like you, you could argue these are positive things, but even then, like it still requires all of that. So I think that was effective in, in that way. Yeah. The, uh, the domination and the, the authoritarianism is, really freaky for me because i just never i never i never read a story with superman uh spun in this direction and uh i'm glad you recommended it uh i i bought this issue and uh it ended up in a box somewhere and i never read it but i did i read it i didn't read the other ones that you know about but it was dude it was uh it was almost like a book I wanted to throw across the room after I finished it. Cause it, I was like, and like, I, I like the way it ended obviously, but it was like, oh man, this is, I'm, I'm like disgusted right now, but it does like, those are the stories that are going to make you think. And like, what if this was like in this situation, like I get his intentions, but it was, uh, it was a tough pill to swallow this one for sure, dude. 
Yeah, you know, it's tough to see Superman like that. And I remember, because as I've talked about on the show, right, I mean, I was reading these Superman books as they were coming out in the 90s. So, I mean, I you know, late yep. 90s, I was 12. And I was reading this and... You know, rereading it now, it's, well, obviously I know what happens, but it's like, yeah, there are definitely clues that like something's amiss. But at the time reading it, you know, it was pretty deep into the story where it was fully revealed that it was Dominus. So you're reading a lot of these issues and it was, it was interesting because it's like you, you do see it from Clark's perspective and he ends up giving up the Clark identity. That's part of it too. But it's like, you know, he's having these yeah. nightmares. They're coming true. He's like, well, I have to do more. It's like, you are, you are kind of with him. You know, for you know, yeah. to a certain extent, which again, I think like adds to the confusion of this because it's like, well, like no, he's setting himself as an authoritarian, but it's like you get why he's doing it. It you know, there it really is. Uh, it it is kind of interesting. But the other thing that's cool about this, she, kind of like shades of the Snyderverse in this particular sense that I think it it does an effective job of showing what reactions would be like if you're in a world yeah. where superman exists and superman is the protector that he has been in the past if he takes this upon himself what would the reaction be and the reaction from the public as presented in the story is generally not favorable and there's a scene in particular where yeah. superman and diana's pissed diana is not happy Di yeah and i mean the whole like he, there are issues with team superman like tries to talk some sense into him lois tries to talk sense into him the justice yeah. league um, but there's a scene in one of the earlier issues where uh, Superman inserts himself in um, in a in a crime that's being committed by Captain Cold and Captain Boomerang, and okay. the Metropolis SCU basically has the situation in hand for the most part, and then Superman comes in because he's got to you know he's got to you know you know, finish the job basically. And Dan Turpin and the rest of the SCU, they're like, what are you doing? Like we, you know, we had this, like you're making us, you know, useless here. So, you know, there's, right. there's that as going back to what we were saying before about like another reason why maybe he, he doesn't or shouldn't go too far. Um, not, not just cause he's going to cost people their jobs, but that idea of impeding humanity's progress and humanity's development. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that one. Uh, was there anything like, else just in that? Get out of the way, dude. They got to figure it out. Yeah. Was there anything else in that King of the World one shot that uh, that you wanted to talk about? I I really liked the Dominus villain, dude. Like I I loved the I guess the appearance of the villain, and it was totally different. Like no neck, <laughs> just yeah. like a floating head. Uh, it, he was creepy, dude. I, I enjoyed it. I liked. Uh, the Lois and Lex aspect of it as well as it wrapped up. Uh, I, I, I did like the ending of it. It just disturbed me and that's what I'll say about it. <laughs> and I guess that's, that's what it should have done. Yeah. And you know that, um, the fallout of the story continued to play out even into the Jeff Loeb, Joe Kelly era, you know, when they took over the books at the very, very end of 99, the beginning of 2000, there were a number of stories where, uh, issues where someone made reference to Superman trying to take over the world. Um, and then eventually, you know, that yeah. faded. And of course, Superman gained back the public's trust. Uh, but that was something that, you know, did did kind of have uh, some ramifications, at least for um, for a little while. And actually, the, you know, the other, the last story that was quote unquote assigned for this was an issue of Shadow of the Bat. I forget the number. Was it 94? No, 92. 92. 
92, thank you, uh, by Devin Grayson and Dale Eaglesham. It's part of the Batman No Man's Land storyline. Yes. And um, it's just a self-contained story where Clark specifically uh, visits Gotham. And uh, this was after the King of the World storyline. Um, so I think that was kind of cool. And there's they, they make some vague allusions to that where, um, you know, Superman's like, you know, I recognize not every problem can be solved from the stratosphere and that some things, you know, there aren't always quick fixes. And he really comes in as Clark to try to, you know, get the lay of the land. Uh, had, had you read that story before? Yes. I remember the cataclysm all the way to no man's land. And what was the other aftershock and no man's land? Uh, this one was good. The artwork, I totally forgot how good it was. It was, uh, excellent. Um, and it, it wasn't just, a Superman Batman exchange. Obviously Batman is the same and like you don't need to be here. What are you doing? You're, he's questioning why he's there. But once again, love Clark goes in, wears his <laughs> or tries to disguise himself as a homeless person or something. And he lends that uh, farming advice to that gentleman, uh, finds the girl they deal with. Obviously the, uh, what's the old book? Uh, uh, that's that kind of took place in gotham um god classic war uh wait tell me again what was on a blank because you cut out there for a second it's, a, it's it? an old novel it's a novel i can't think of the title of it an old movie where the boys go to the island god what is uh oh my god what i'm drawing a blank uh, i'm sorry i'm not helping you here i don't <laughs> that's okay yeah man i'm gonna beat myself up on this but it's just how like Lord of the Gotham Flies. Just, thank you. Yeah, okay. Thank you. That's it. It's it's a real <laughs> Lord of the Flies type environment. And, you know, certain people will take the lead and uh, do nefarious things. And obviously Batman and Superman take care of business. But no, it just just that farming exchange with the gentleman about, you know, the, the crops. And then it, it rains at the end of the issue. It was it was touching. I, I enjoyed it. And the artwork was awesome. Yeah. Florida the flies. I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> uh, no, it's all good. Yeah, that it was a cool story because I think that, and there were a couple of issues of, of JLA at the time. Uh, this was during the Grant Morrison mm -hmm. run, but Mark Wade uh, guest wrote a couple of issues where the, the JLA was like tangentially involved with what was going on in Gotham because I think that was probably and understandably like a question that they felt they needed to address because I think it is a question that as a fan... It's like as much as, yeah, you're, just, you're suspending your disbelief and you're, you know, within the realm of the Bat books. But it's like, well, all right. But we know Batman exists in this larger DC universe. It's yeah. like, what are you? Why aren't you helping out here? <laughs> it's like the JLA could rebuild the city in two minutes. So I think that was cool, um, you know, for for Clark specifically to visit. And I, too, loved the uh, the farming advice. And yeah, like you said, he makes it rain at the end. Like that's the way he's able to contribute because they're having trouble, you know, growing, but, um, you know, growing crops, but the farming piece that also is the, the, uh, the button on Superman peace on earth where, you know, Superman goes through this whole thing yeah. as Superman trying to, to fight world hunger and try to inspire some change. And, and ultimately I think, you know, by the end of his, his quest there is feeling rather defeated, I mean, you know, and we didn't, you know, yeah. one, of, one of the countries he goes to, they, they throw rocks at him and he yeah. says that, you yeah. know, and we, well, right, we know they don't physically hurt him, but he's talks about how those rocks, like he feels 
each of those rocks, yeah. right? Because of the intent behind them. Um, and that story ends with him as Clark, like teaching a like a school field trip about farming. Uh, you know, the wisdom yeah. of his father, you know, kind of coming through. And he's he's maybe making a little bit of a difference as Clark in that way. So I, you know, th- I thought that was I thought that was a, a nice touch and a nice parallel between those two stories that I, I had forgotten about. Oh, absolutely. You hit that on the head for sure. Yeah. So I think we've covered a lot. Is there anything else about either the morality of Superman or, you know, this this question of like what his duty should be or any of the stories that we we were anything else that you want to talk about that we didn't get to? Um, I made mention that there was a book that I came across while I was trying to find all my one shots prepare for this. It was uh, Superman, Where Is Thy Sting? Mm hmm. And uh, it, uh, I think it's relevant to our conversation. This book is an acid trip when it comes to the artwork. It is all over the place. I'll just I'll uh, sum it up real quick. It's basically uh, Superman questioning uh, his existence per se. He's wondering. He's questioning why he's the only survivor of Krypton, and basically he's. I'm going to say it again, going through these acid trip things, uh, visions, and it's really death seeking him out. And basically, and death is like this. If you can envision the xenomorph from the aliens, it's that's literally what death is depicted in this comic. And uh, he's exposed to multiple scenarios where he's the last survivor. He'll outlive everybody that he loves and he just questions everything. But at the end, death is appreciative of what Superman shows him, and he shows him love. And he basically, obviously, lets him be and doesn't pursue him any further. But the biggest thing that I love about Superman also, to kind of totally come all the way back to our beginning conversation, was my wife Kim and I were talking about why we liked him so much. And she was saying how she always envisioned Superman with Wonder Woman just because they just make that power couple and they they just make sense. And I always said, no, I like him with Lois because Lois makes him human. And I just think that the love that they have makes him such a better human being more, more than a human than an alien. And I just think love triumphs over all and i think that uh the bottom of everything we've talked about tonight is i think his motivation is 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 love and i think that that is something that we all need more of in our life more now than ever is to spread more love and uh, acceptance and understanding and uh i think we'd just be in a better place man we wouldn't be in a lot of situations where we are if we if we used love as our uh true north i guess is what i'll say so i don't know dude that's a it's a really interesting book i would definitely check it out it is really trippy when it comes to the artwork but the story at the end of the day is super cool and super relevant to what we're talking about so yeah man sorry that was a little more than just a quick summary listen please stop <laughs> you got to stop apologizing here this is you're here to you know you're here to share your take so i, I that's what i want it's good uh, and I appreciate you sharing about that book. I owned it and I read it years ago. And I, I sadly, it, it left my collection during it's you know, for, one of the prunings right. that I did over the years. But uh, but I do have a vague memory of it. Um, 
as far as I know, it's and I said this to you via messenger. I was like, I don't think it's available digitally or in any collected edition. But uh, you know, it might be one of those things you can reach out to your local comic shop and and see if they have it in their back issue bins or or grab it on eBay yeah. or something like that. But for sure, you know, uh, like I said, this episode was a little different than ones we've I've done before. But I appreciate you coming along for the ride, and you know, I've just had these ideas kicking around and. And again, they're not the most, I know other people have had these ideas and questions as well, but I thought it'd be worth, you know, talking about on the show, because especially when we talk about, you know, Superman, right? Like, he, like I said before, he, he's interesting. One of the reasons he's interesting, he has all of this power and he chooses to to help, but how does he help, right? And what are the different ways he could potentially help? And I, I think it is a natural, valid question where if you had the power of, of Superman and, you know... It's not like there's no threat of nuclear destruction, but we don't, I don't think most of us live in that same, you know, fear that, you know, people experience in the Cold War, but, you know, updated a little bit, you know, climate change. It's like, well, if we were, if we were to kind of do like a new iteration of, of one of these types of, of Superman stories, it's like, yeah, you know, Superman can keep fighting the, um, the, the, the forest fires or something like that, that might break out as a result of climate change. Right. But what if he thought, well, there might be a way for me to actually stop those fires from happening in the first place if I address some of the larger issues. But then he's imposing his will on people in a larger way. And, he, yep. uh, you know, that might not be his place. That might not be the role he wants to occupy. Uh, and he might be met with resistance and he might be met with difficulty in implementing and enforcing that. There are a lot of different aspects, but I think I, I really do think it's interesting. And I don't think there's like a hard answer on that. I think when you get stories like, almost quest you know the quest for peace i it didn't fully get there but they were trying you know they were trying to do their what you get in quest for peace uh i keep mixing these up peace on earth <laughs> peace on earth <laughs> what you get in peace on earth in particular and anyone who hasn't read that really go check that out because i think that really gets at the heart of you know what we've been talking about but when you get stories like that uh I guess they don't always necessarily have their place like in the regular ongoing adventures, but every now and then when you can have, you know, have a story that delves into it, I I truly think it's, it's worthwhile. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And it's, it, it forces us to think that if he's, if he thinks of something and we, like we said, something insignificant that we don't really go through with hunger in our particular circumstance, it does make you question like if he's going to take on a challenge like this and then if he ramps it up to nuclear or if he's going to get into, let's say, like a, 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 a political thing. Could you imagine if we have like a uh, Superman climate change uh, story arc somewhere in the future? And it's like, well, is this side going to hate him and this side's going to love him? And it's like it, it would be it would be a, a Snyderverse episode all over again. Yeah. A hundred percent. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, political, you know, as, as you know, right, very early on in this podcast, we talked about the, the Loeb Kelly era. And one of the big, the big storylines of that period was President Lex. Yeah. And, you know, that was a big part of that yeah. story. And I, I wrestled with that <laughs> in, in the episode. You heard it where it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it was kind of a tough pill to swallow that Clark would be like, well, I just have to respect the will of the people. It's like, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, the threat that Lex poses, like, you know, and, and, but I, you know, it's funny too, cause like in that instance, I don't know that I would necessarily advocate for Superman forcibly removing Lex from, from office. Like in my mind, I just felt that Superman 
Superman, not Clark, but Superman should have made more of a public statement yeah. and made his position yeah. known. I think that would have been interesting to kind of put forth. And then if the people chose Lex, then it's really a betrayal. Um, yeah. You know, but but even if you take it a step further and it's like if and, and I guess really thinking about like that ethical question of like, what should you do? It's like if you're Superman and you know the threat that Lex poses and you know the people got it wrong and yeah. you know you are one of the only people who can rectify it. And maybe that means tossing him in the phantom zone and letting Pete Ross be president. <laughs> it's like, would you, you know, do, <laughs> do you do it? Should you do it? But now I guess to kind of carry that thought out is like, if he did do that and he did it, I suppose he's super, he could do it in a way where no one would even know it was him. But like, let's say he did it and it was known that would, I don't, and I don't know the ramifications that that would have, you know, we, we know within the We're country. King of the, we'll have a king of the world situation. Yeah. Like, I'm going to step in and make the decision for you. Yeah. So very, I don't know. It's a, it's a, a very interesting thought exercise. I hope people have enjoyed this, this, uh, this episode. I have it's been a great conversation, buddy. <laughs> uh, no, likewise. Thank you for being part of this. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we could get you on the show and do this. And, uh, what, uh, anything coming up on heroes home base, any upcoming up is this will come out, uh, I think early, early August or so. So anything coming out like later summer, fall that you want to tease? Um, I am getting ready to i think i messaged you about this i'm getting ready to host uh matthew clickstein on our show he just dropped a big xm um podcast uh comic con begins it started i think two weeks ago i'm getting ready to have him on with one of the founders that put together the very first san diego comic cons and uh i highly recommend that podcast while we're shouting stuff out uh he did and he's the director and producer of it and uh it's awesome it, geeks will love it it's literally about the first geeks that got to, and they were like young like high school got involved and put on this event man and it's it's totally cool so that's that's coming up for us and kind of doing a promo with him and then uh i'll be doing uh, we'll probably have a segment on our podcast with uh, jeff smith the creator of bone i'm doing his uh comic con at home for san diego in july and uh hopefully i'll have some cool uh, Netflix updates for his uh, Bone series going to Netflix. So that's really all that I've got really on the radar for sure. But uh, yeah, man, I really do appreciate you letting me on, man. And and uh, this is fun. We'll do it again. Yes. Uh, very cool. I hope people check that out. Uh, thank you, Rich, for being part of this. Uh, thank you to our audience. As always, we'll be back in two weeks with uh, Superman for tomorrow with a real life pastor. Uh, again, I was teasing that before. Awesome. Yeah. It, I think that'll be another very interesting one. I hope that people will uh, tune in for that. And until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Digging for Kryptonite is a flat squirrel production. Art by Greg Shegel, music by Basic Printer. Join the conversation by becoming part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network Facebook group. Follow Digging for Kryptonite on Instagram and Twitter and visit flatsquirrelproductions.com to explore more of my film and podcast projects.